Hi, I'm Sam. I'm Callum. And one of us is bored. This week we're discussing S Club 7's Back to the 50s. It sounds ridiculous even when you say it there. Doesn't it? So this is the first in our new theme month, part of the music from our childhood series where we're looking at films and I guess quasi made for TV films in this case that relate to music from our childhood. So a lot of, uh, I guess, mid to late 90s and early 2000s stuff you'll have coming over the next few weeks throughout the next month or so. So hopefully you'll enjoy. (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. but we're starting off our month with um, this uh, uh, Back to the 50s, which was a it was a one-off uh, special episode of S Club 7's Miami 7, work, uh, kind of acting as a bridge between their Miami 7 and LA 7 series. S Club 7, for anyone who doesn't know, um, they were a, a manufactured group manufactured by the same guy that made the Spice Girls and essentially their TV series worked as a promotional tool to promote the band to, to younger audiences. Uh, and it worked rather well. Uh, they were quite successful for a few years uh, before they imploded on themselves. So Until bloody, who was it, Paul left? I think Paul left, yeah. Um, well, there, there was a few things that happened that probably be, probably shouldn't have. Like two of them, Paul, in fact, it was Paul and Hannah started going out with each other. Um, mm, and I don't bad know. Choice. Yeah, I don't know if they broke up. Um, well, at some point they did, obviously, but I don't yeah. know if, if them breaking up caused the thing, caused him to leave, or what. I have no fucking clue, honestly. And um, then they had S Clubs three for a while. Yeah, so a couple of them got back together as a as a trio for a little while. Um, and then, the good singers, the main singers, did. Yeah, um, and then they did have a brief tour again in the mid. 2010s uh they went on tour um and they had s then there was a spin-off group called s club 8 which was s club juniors yeah like there's lots of um s clubs going on here um so there's an intro i don't know there's a bit of an interesting back story kind of rabbit hole for anyone that wants to dig into that um uh just before we start talking about the 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 um the film I call it that loosely. <laughs> um, S Club Seven. What's your What's your history with them? Me. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So who, who else you was talking to, Sam? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, God. So they started when I was three. I was more of a Spice Girls, you know, kid. But I loved the S Club Seven music because every time you had like a children's party, um, that would be the music playing. It would just be uh, bring it all back on loop, pretty much. What about you? Um, so, the first album I ever bought myself on CD was Shania Twain's Come On Over, but the actual first CD I ever owned was um, S Club 7's first album. Oh, really? Yeah. Mine was I... five, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, I got it for Christmas, so yeah, I got... Um, I can't remember what the album was called. Was it just called S Club? Yeah, I think the first one was called just S Club 7, yeah. 
Oh, uh, the first album was S Club and the second album was called Seven. Oh, and then so, it was, yeah, okay. Yeah, so no, um, I got, the, yeah, their first album was the first CD I ever owned, although the first one I bought was a little bit cooler than that, so at least I have that to my name, just saying. Um, <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> don't you dare. <laughs> don't you try it. Um, a bit more grown up then, shall we say. Are you um, sure? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Like, you're shading a lot of country fans just now. Cowbells, though. All right. Like, <laughs> stay in your lane. <laughs> right. No, I don't mind Shania. She's fine. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I think I ended up getting their second album as well. Uh, their second album came out before I was in my double digits. So I think I'd have been, like... Well, apparently it came out in 2000, so I was like eight or nine when that came out. Um, and after that, I kind of lost interest, I think. Um, kind of, I, I suppose there's a few different things there. I think they are aimed at younger people generally. Although I know that they had like older fans as well, but a lot of their media was itself aimed at yeah younger audiences, especially the TV show specifically. And like, I think the the TV shows or were created to promote the albums, which is interesting because nowadays it would be the other way around with album sales kind of tanking. It would be more about promoting um, the music, promoting getting eyeballs on the screens. Um, but yeah, this is back when people still tended to actually spend money on stuff um, mm -hmm. like that. So the TV shows, um, I guess, it, is it fair to say like they kind of played dumbed down versions of themselves like they played caricatures they were essentially playing themselves but it was kind of like caricatures of themselves and i think that's kind of explicit in this back to the 50s which we're about to talk about just now is the way they represent themselves there's not really one intelligent one of them in there like i i am i sat for this twice uh just for reference i sat for this last night and then again uh today just before we recorded and one of the things that struck me is that each and every single one of them is kind of presented as being pretty stupid in one way or another. Like some of them more explicitly so, but none of them are particularly presented as being that bright. Um, and I guess that's because it's, you know, fun for kids to look at, to laugh at the stupid people and their, and their silly. No, I think back at that time, it was cool to be dumb. <laughs> like that Do was Do you think it. that's it? Like, Jane, yeah, like I... all the characters were dumb and they're like, oh, it's so cool to be like just dumb and like fighty let's just fight everyone and be it's dumb it's just a bit like aggressive and a bit kind of argumentative and a bit yeah like mm -hmm. a bit unnecessarily dumbed down and bearing in mind like to be fair i think before we go into this let's not make the mistake we've made in the past this is 100 percent for kids essentially so we're not gonna <laughs> we, we probably are well to be fair though as a kid i don't i don't remember enjoying it as a child though do you remember watching it as a child not the 50s one but the s club series i thought was shite when i was a child i was like i just wanted to hear that like again based off reach for the stars and stuff that's what i got mm. the albums for i didn't get it based off the show i thought the show was shite maybe i was a bit too young for it actually i have a vague memory of watching the show at the time um, but I couldn't, I, I, I read a brief synopsis of Miami 7 earlier and it did bring some memories back about how their manager was kind of exploiting them within the context of the, the, the show. Mm -hmm. And they were all trying, basically they were trying to become big, um, which was a bit of a juxtaposition because actually in, in the real world, the group was quite big in the UK at least. Um, and then, in the, but the show kind of depicted them as being struggling and trying to make it. So there was a bit of a weird conflict kind of going on there. 
Yeah. They were, it was like, they were trying to, it was like a fucking um, allegory for how they were struggling to, well, Simon Fuller was struggling to get bands to make it outside of the UK. Mm. And they're like, oh, we're, we're going to America to make it. It's like, well, you're not. You have one song that's made it. I mean, it has shown in America this. It's known as like S Club 7 in Miami in America. Yeah. I didn't know that. I just assumed that it was, because it's, it's painfully British. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's the sort of thing. I'm not necessarily sure a lot of the humor would translate, and maybe like I, I to be I fair. Did I it translate for you? It's a bit awkward. A lot of it, honestly. Um, well, just sp- strictly speaking about Back to the Fifties, because like my knowledge of Miami Seven is the brief like summary I read this morning, and what I remember from like what twenty. 20 odd years ago 25 years ago yes. so like I it's like the monkeys but shite it's it's pretty much like the monkeys were a tv series and a band at the same time and obviously the beatles did a similar thing with releasing films and incorporating their music in it so it's a tried and tested formula to get album yeah. sales essentially but i wouldn't say it was for kids i would say it was for tweens because i would i watch i think the reason why i didn't like it was because i was too young yeah it's it's definitely not for young kids um but i would say like 12 11 yeah i think that's probably fair i like you putting it like that as well because i was younger than that at the time the series was released as well so i appreciate you (laughs) 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 appreciate you putting the age barrier there um but I'd probably agree, to be fair. It probably is for that kind of age bracket. Because um, they themselves at the time were in their own late teens, early 20s, across the, the broad range of them. So, you know, they're they're young enough to be relatable, but like old enough that they're kind of aspirational, I suppose. Mm. Um, and Well, well. Well, you know. So I want to be- wear a tank top and a crop top. Like, if you're, if you're aspired to that, sure. Like- sure. But like, I mean, like they were... I guess inoffensive is what I'm looking for, is what I'm trying to say. Like, they weren't overly... I'm just saying they were, like, as a band, they were inoffensive, but as a TV show, I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it. Right, well, let's, um, let's, um, we've kind of built this up a bit, so let's just go into Back to the 50s, and uh, I guess from here on, we'll just talk about this as a standalone thing. Um, although, having said that, having said that, why, why Back to the 50s, you may be asking? Why, why are you not watching, um... And this is all Calm's choice. <laughs> yeah, so why did we not watch Seeing Double instead? Well, there's a few reasons for that. First and foremost, I think I did actually see Seeing Double in the cinema. I'm fairly confident that I went with my sister and my mum, and it was my sister's choice to go, because we were... We, uh, when we used to go, the three of us, it, we used to get to take it in turns as to who saw what, but we were all going to the same thing, basically, and... I'm fairly confident I didn't pick this. So I remember going at the time and it's like loosely it's a film based around clones and there's like um, alternate versions of themselves without belly buttons and it's all very pointless <laughs> at the end of the day. I can't remember much about it. But on top of that, it's actually quite difficult to find again. There's like bits of it that exist online, but I, I couldn't find the whole thing anywhere anyway. Uh, whereas back to the 50s, um, oh, sorry, one hour thing. It was also, that also took place at the end of their careers. And as I said, like after their second album, I kind of checked out. So anything from like the second half of their career, I'm not particularly familiar with, except for that one song, um, Don't Stop Moving, which was quite a big 
That was later a huge, hit. Yeah, it's weird, yeah. isn't it? How like it's, I mostly I think listen to their greatest hits. I, like there's some songs they play, and I'm like, what's that? I was really really shocked when I found out that that wasn't from their first two albums because that's yeah, probably too. one of the first songs I would most associate with them, and it's actually one of their later ones. But um, yeah, so. We, if we'd have watched, sat and watched Seeing Double, chances are there'd have been a lot of music included that like, I definitely wouldn't have known what the hell it was. And Back to the 50s gave us a chance for a bit of nostalgia for stuff from the first album at the very least. So I'd at least have a chance of remembering some of it. As it happened, quite terrifyingly, I remembered almost all of it. So, like, yeah. There's just a... one song that I wasn't entirely remembering. Yeah. But, uh, well, um... We'll uh, get into it, I think, anyway. Hopefully that's explained. <laughs> Hopefully I've explained myself sufficiently. So yeah, instead of watching their actual feature film, we've watched this like 40-minute made-for-TV film. Um, so I suppose just for context, uh, as we said, this this worked as a bridge between their two, uh, their first two series. Um, funnily enough, uh, the TV series aired on BBC, but this was made for CITV, so this went to a competitor, which was, I guess... An interesting decision from a production side. I don't know why that happened, but it did. Uh, allegedly, the episode is a parody of both Greece and Back to the Future. Um, <laughs> yeah, a, a ripoff, more like <laughs> explicit ripoff. Um, the um, the a sort of inner line summary: Back to the Fifties shows uh, the group driving from Miami to Los Angeles when they suddenly find themselves in the 1950s having traveled back in time. So there's your setup. And I suppose maybe it would be worth mentioning that just even within the first 15 seconds, Jesus Christ, I'd forgotten how much they can't act. Like, yeah. not one of them is good at acting. No, I sent that to him as, as a, as a him. message. What? Him. I said him. <laughs> Yeah, I know, I, I know, but like, it's a conversation between us, kind of, and like, <laughs> you're just referring to me like- oh, I know, but I'm just saying you like quoted my message you're, exactly. You're talking, talking to the audience, like I'm not here. Like, <laughs> do you not ever talk to them though? I can't remember if I do, but like, that's the first time I've ever noticed one of us doing that. Oh like, no, I do that, so I do that quite frequently. Oh, right. Okay. Well, fair enough. I don't know. I just find that really funny. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> Well, well, people are included too, okay? It's yeah, not just well, a two-way conversation. We're, we're trying to include you. It's, it's a two-way conversation with a mute. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Also sat there. And I'm like, well, I'm trying to include... I don't want to just have this person just being an egg in the corner, you know? Yeah. Okay. Fair play. Fair play. Okay, so uh, you sent me... It seems, it seems weird to remind you of something I did <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> you sent me a message. <laughs> I sent you a message. Yeah. Right, well... Yeah, go on, whatever. Okay, I'll I'll stop nitpicking. That's just me. No, no, you ruined it now. I'll I never be it. able to. <laughs> um, the problem is, like, usually we don't talk to each other while we're watching it, but this one was just so silly, and like we're watching it quickly to get it done quick. That I was just like, I'm just gonna put my notes to Callum now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. So and he so knows exactly my thoughts already. I, I do, but like we'll still we'll still go for it anyway. Like it's yeah. good fun. Um. So yeah, no, the acting is pretty atrocious on all fronts. Um, they also do this weird thing where one person speaks and then, like, so there's seven of them. At no point does someone get to speak second, you know, so it'll be Rachel, Bradley, Hannah, Tina, John. It's not Rachel, Bradley, Rachel, 
Bradley, you know what I mean? Yeah, no one tends to have their own follow-up, really. Um, I think... I feel like they possibly had quite a lot of fun filming this, but it's honestly not that fun to watch. <laughs> no, it's like, like a school play. That's yes. how I would describe it. Yeah, that's exactly how it Where is. Where you like, have so many kids who need to get a line each, and you're like, oh, let's get, make sure all the kids get e- equal lines. Yeah, no, so as a little as a little bridge between seasons, it's obviously just a bit of filler, and essentially, in some ways, it's almost like an extended music video. Um, there's elements of um, their songs played throughout, not all, um, a couple of them all the way through, and some of them just parts of, but that don't necessarily have an awful lot to do with the plot. They're just kind of happening. Um, I suppose just to go through the plot a little bit, the the reason that they end up going back in time is because the the mileometer on their car has reached... Um, it's be- Y2K is why the car goes back in time. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's it's reached um it's reached um the six. nine 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 yeah and as they watch it all turn back to zero they suddenly go through this like really badly rendered CGI kind of square of wiggles square of wiggles and on the screen which I remember as a kid that was the one thing that I remembered when I suggested this was I could I remembered that awful thing that they drove yeah. they drove through <laughs> um it's like um. But they, they, they do definitely like anticipate something. I don't understand why they think something's going to happen and then they're kind of disappointed but nothing does. I'm like, when, like I don't drive and look at the, <laughs> the speedometer or the mileometer and go, oh, oh. Yeah. And there's lots of like, there's lots of weird jokes thrown at, at, this, at this point, which aren't, some of them are, some of them are really hit or miss. And to be fair, that's kind of the case all the way through. But you've got like the signs, um, Two of them asking John how far stuff is, and he looks up and it says so on the sign. So one of them's an American place, and one of them's like Wolverhampton, which is back in the UK. And he gives like exact distances, and they're just like, "Oh, you're so smart!" And it's just like, "Well, he could have bullshitted that, and you not known." But also, why the fuck do you care? Like, it's not interesting conversation. Like, they are having the most boring conversations in this car as they're driving through the desert. But they're only having one. Like, only one set of people can speak at a time. Yeah, exactly. So, like, the rest of them just sit in silence while they have these pointless conversations. Um, and then they they throw in a joke about the fact that, you know, Paul's hungry. And so the signs on the road say, you've just eaten, you fat fuck. And <laughs> it does. And, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> which i quite like honestly i, I don't mind that oh it made me laugh but i was like oh well like i i like it in terms of the fact that they wouldn't get away with it now because there'd be some whiny piss baby somewhere, and paul like. no well, no to be fair paul is, is the fat one now well he is the fat one now yeah so it's like, funnier for that but, but also <laughs> that that that's the biggest oof is like what happened you know after yeah, paul was the the fat one and then like, now he's like the middle-aged man that's just joined the band. Yeah. Um, oh, how times have changed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, it's fine. It's stupid, but it's it's fine. Um, there's a weird bit where apparently... Uh, so they're nearly driven off the road by a bunch of like guys in a car. Um, and I watched this two times and both times I didn't see... Supposedly the guys have this big inflatable burger or whatever on their car. I didn't see it either time. I watched it both times and I couldn't see it. It could be just because the quality of the phone I was watching was a bit rubbish, but it didn't look like anything. It just looked like people in a car driving that driving them off the road. And there's this weird joke about the car possibly having a mind of its own, which is then never referenced. It's then never referenced throughout the rest of the film again. So No, they they make it out like it's like like Herbie the car. Yeah. And then 
Hannah has a weird relationship with it and they're all like, weird. And it's like, well, <laughs> you're not going to reference this again? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, so they go to they go to this um, nearest town and go, go to the diner and on the way in they're like, oh, everything's so old fashioned and blah, 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 blah. Well, they oh. say specifically everything's so 50s-ish. Yeah. Like, they just keep, every time they say 50s, if you were to take a shot, you'd be dead within like the first 10 minutes. Yeah, you would. Um, and so they sit down and they have their first encounter with a waiter who takes their orders, but basically they want all these newfangled like 90s things like frappuccinos and and diet drinks and of course they're from the they're now in the 50s so none of that stuff happens and they're like well we must actually be in the 50s it's just yeah, like it's quite they, a that's their first conclusion like they're like oh yeah. we must actually have time traveled and none of them are fussed by this no one's like that panicked that they've gone back in time they're, they're more fussed about the fact that one of the girls likes the waiter Chuck. yeah which is which itself is, so this is clearly just due to the fact that they've only got 45 minutes so you know they've got a one hour time slot for tv including I adverts know, so but that's so, still weird um, but they, but as you but as you say you're like you're right like the they're more into like teasing the 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 19 almost 20 year old woman for thinking the waiter's hot and like chasing her around and being like Hannah loves whatever the fuck his Chuck. name was yeah Hannah loves Chuck it's just like right so we're all in our our late teens early 20s and we're gonna act like five year olds are we okay like it's just it's very juvenile and kinda I guess about right for the audience that it's aimed at I suppose but like it's kinda there's other things within this that are also kind of not right for the audience that it's aimed at and we'll get to that as we get to it, I suppose, but like it's it's very kind of all over the place in that sense. Uh, up to this point, by the way, the acting has not improved. The acting the acting has remained consistently horrendous all the way through. Um, and they step outside, having realised that yes, we are in the fifties, and they get approached by a police officer who accuses them of being troublemakers, and so they start throwing all these like Englishisms at him. Uh, in an attempt to kind of be funny, but it just comes off as really cringy. She comes off as really like confrontational to like. I don't understand why they hate this sheriff straight away. He's just asking why are you hopping because they start hopping around the ground looking for the teleporty thing. This is the one point where they kind of care. Yeah. And they do like a like a big bunch of fannies, and I would question as to why they're doing that. Mm. Um, and they immediately just start. I mean, the guy spits, which is kind of gross. That's how we know he's evil. He spits on the floor. Mm-hmm. And then. They just kind of start fighting him. They couldn't give an off- an authentic reaction to that, though, because it is quite gross, but they were all even like, ew! Like, <laughs> it wasn't like like a genuine reaction to that. It was still, still that was outside of their acting range, each and every yeah. one of them, which is brilliant. Like, I absolutely love it. Like, I, it's terrible, but like, yeah, no. Um... So yeah, they are, they start throwing all these like weird EastEnders type words at him as if they're all from like London when they're not actually. I don't, I think geographically they're from all over the UK. So, but a few of them start doing it um, and it's just like, no one actually talks like that. So why are they doing it? They're just doing it because, oh, well, we're English, aren't we? And it's just like, well, maybe the Americans will go for that. Maybe not. Like, um... Americans, if you're listening, do you find people calling each other ducky funny? Like, I sure fucking don't. But they like, say a lot, lots of like, co- like Cockney stuff as well. That, like, yeah. you know, when actually, like, how's your father and all that? Yeah, that, about that's that. It. I'm like, why are you saying that to him? That doesn't make sense. I know. Imagine, imagine going up to that, uh, going up to someone and like talking in 
your perceived localisms when they clearly won't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to make myself not seem crazy. I know. How's your father? Bit of knees up, you know, like doesn't that's like the the, the worst way to do that, which maybe is the humor, but like but then but then they tie in that but then that ties back into the fact that not one of them is like sensible and it's just that kind of it's fine to have a stupid one. It's not great when all of them are stupid. No, and the problem is, uh, what's the one that's the smart one, but he's still stupid? It's not Paul. What's the other one? John. Uh, John, yeah. He's meant to be the smart one, and he's like... Still not right. So yeah. is he. <laughs> <laughs> I actually remember, have a vague memory. I'd be curious if... Well, I can't be... I'm not curious enough to go and find out. But I have a vague memory of Bradley being like the really stupid one, which I think in modern contexts would probably be a bit... Oh yeah, definitely. Of a problem, but like I, f- I have a feeling that like he was depicted as the really stupid one back at the time. But honestly, what rewatching it now, they're all pretty fucking dense, so I don't know. Yeah, but Joe's just like unbelievably. Oh, I'll have to cut that off for the Americans. Unbelievably arsy. Yes. Um. Yeah, there's a lot of arsery going on. She's very angry for no real. Like, yeah, okay, they're stuck somewhere, but she's not angry because they're stuck in the fifty. She's just angry because she's angry. She's just got a really piss poor attitude and like she doesn't take the slightest hint of anything. Like, and I know that's meant to be like, I'm a strong character. It's like, no, you're not. You're just unpleasant. Like, and you know what's funny? I think that's going to translate into real life. Like, I think that's just her. Yeah, I suspect so. After her big brother thing. Yeah, and other things as well, because I suspect as well, it's got to be really difficult when you're in a big group and then you go to try and have a solo career and it's mildly successful to middling and then kind of just falls off like that. Did she try and have one? I yeah, thought she, she immediately um, went to S Club 3. She had, uh, do you know um, What Hurts the Most by Rascal Flats? Yeah. She had that song out before they did. Oh, really? Yeah, like she really she released her version first. Like, I'm not even, I'm not sure if it's technically her song, even. It's not her song. Because uh, I know a few people have done it, but... Uh, no, she... Oh, the first version to be released was... She didn't write it, but she was the first person to release it as a single. I, I knew, I knew, I, I'm pretty sure I knew that, yeah. Because um, I, I was shocked, because I honestly mostly associate it with... <laughs> Rascal Flats and Cascada. Yeah, to Cascada be fair. as well. I would never have thought of her. But, but then she she immediately kind of jumped back in S Club Three with the guy who left and Bradley, which again mind boggling. Why did the guy who leave immediately jump uh, back in after he made question. him split up? Well, I suspect because I would argue that Rachel Stevens had the most successful solo career of all of them. Which yeah, but it makes no sense because Bradley's the only one who can sing now. Yeah. And to be fair, I think that may have been possible. Actually, Joe had an okay voice at the time. Actually, Joe had an okay... No, Joe had a good recording yeah. voice. Like, they all had good recording voices because they mostly lip-synced. Yeah. But then when you heard, okay, so we're going to review this at the end, the children in need special, and we'll get back to it. Oh, yes. Like, look forward to that. That's something yeah. to stick around for. Um, so, Sheriff... Sheriff fucks off and the rest of them decide we're going to go ball about bowling. We're going to go ball like bowling because um, Paul, is it Paul, uh, Bradley and John or Paul and John, I can't remember. Two of them decide we're going to go watch the girls, which is fucking hilarious, but whatever. Um, And so they go in and basically bowling turns into an excuse for them to perform... um, one of their songs. I can't remember which one. Um, You're my number one. 
Yeah, possibly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're my number one. Um, Has so no no relation to what's actually happening. No, <laughs> it doesn't. It's, no. it's just an excuse to promote the song and therefore the album. So. And it even has the blurry like edges of yeah. the music video. It's very funny to watch. I, I, want, I haven't looked into this that much, but I would be not shocked if they ripped the music video from this. Oh, no. No. No, they didn't. I just I just read it on Wikipedia. They didn't. It, the music video is something entirely different. Um, but because uh, I, I know the S Club Party music video is what they did at the end of this, so they they definitely took that one from this. But I'm pretty sure that they used that throughout the series a lot. The S Club thing. I think that's just like the S Club Party thing. I think they just kept using that. Yeah. Uh, just on the S Club Seven, the music video for the track was formed. Uh, was filmed in the Californian desert in the famous setting of the ba- uh, the Vasquez Rocks on the set of the Back to 50 special. Oh, so it was then? then. It okay. was that 100% because I remembered them doing the S thing. Um, but they basically it's an opportunity for them, as I say, just to promote the album and their songs a little bit more. And then, of course, at this point, we're introduced to the, the bullies that were driving around earlier and they talk. Well, no, first he's, we're introduced to Bradley's love interest that's only there for a couple of minutes and he, he loves her so much. <laughs> so much because she she talks to him while they're bowling so. yeah yeah instant love instant love in less and less than a minute yeah she's dating one of the bullies but she's also interested in Bradley so I, I'd be kind of mad too to be fair yeah and the bullies come in and so there's a bit of a back and forth and the police officer comes in and you miss the part where they brush their hair it's really funny right well on you go you, you can I, I mean no so the <laughs> Joe's like, what What do you do then? And they're like, well, we brush our hair. And then they do this big dramatic sway to the side. I think that's how they tried to incorporate grease. Yeah. That and the drag race. They do this thing where they pretend to comb their hair. Mm. Which I would be really curious to know people in the 50s really did that. Like, ever. If they just, like... Mm, so, not that exaggerated. But I know, like, that entire look was, like, it was called, like, the greaser look. Um, yeah, it was but, a type of it was. It's kind of like emo. How emo wasn't just a look; it was like a yeah, lifestyle. Yeah. Like, but did exactly they all do the big dramatic sway uh, as a group? I wouldn't be surprised. A lot of these things are somewhat based in reality. Like, it's probably it's obviously not as Club Seven. <laughs> well, who knows? But like that that sway is exaggerated. But it comes from somewhere. Like, it wouldn't just you know. Man, and people like that's not unique to this either. Like I've seen that movement in other things as well. I've seen it in um, in Greece, funnily enough. In Greece itself, but in our in other things as well. I can't. I can see it in my head, but I can't tell you what it is. So it's something. It's it's something I associate with the fifties anyway. So I think it's just something that people associate with that age, and therefore it just seems relevant to put it in. It just it tells you what kind of characters they are without actually needing to communicate it in in overly long terms. So. You just kind of get it. Um, obviously, police officer arrives, who turns out to be the uncle of Ricky, who's the, the the lead bully, as it were, and he ends up arresting four of them. Uh, and uh, it's this is actually one of those bits where I feel like the humor doesn't translate very well, or doesn't. It's just not. Well, it's not even that it doesn't translate very well. It's just not funny. Like it's just that. Um, four of them are like i he's like you're under arrest and one of them's like you can't do that and he's like you're right you're under arrest too oh you can't do that right you're under arrest too and then john's like stop i see a pattern forming here it's just like well you know anyone over the age of three <laughs> which most of the the audience are i'm presuming it's it's just it it's kind of what we were talking about last time uh, 
obviously we were talking about a documentary then, but I think even if you're making something for kids, you still need to have enough of a respect for the audience that you don't literally need to explain every single step of what's going on. And bearing in mind, this isn't for super young kids. It's just for like, you know, tweens or whatever. Um, they're going to be able to, to get that themselves. They don't need you to explain what's just happened or what is happening. So anyway, he fucks off and goes bowling with the other two. <laughs> exactly. So they just go bowling <laughs> instead. Um, I want to like just quickly interject as well, uh, because at this point they've mentioned, they mentioned this a lot. They use, they use V in place of very so many times throughout this. And honestly, this triggered me so much because like, I do this on kind of ironically and I didn't realize that they were doing this back in the fucking 90s and it's just nothing new nothing's ever original Sam like I know. everything's I know. a repeat of everything else I didn't realize people did this back then but it's only really Rachel it does it Rachel just keeps no, doing no, it no 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 I rewatched it this morning literally all of them say it at least once oh really literally all of them oh, do oh dear yeah it's, Rachel says it the most. But yeah, it's people, like, I, I've done it as well. It's people speaking in text speak. Yeah, that's that's what it is. They're just like, oh, this is V-bad. <laughs> yeah. I'm V-angry right now. Like, But sometimes I can't understand what they're saying when they say the V thing because mm. their accents are so cockneyish sometimes. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you saying? Like, V-brad? Like, what's that, he done? That was it. Like, that that was how I picked up a lot of them this, on the second watch was because I knew some of them had done it. And then I was just like, holy shit, that's what you're saying. Like, John's actually the first one to say and it's when they're in the car at the start and he's looking at the map i can't remember the exact statement but it's something like oh we're v lost right now or something like that For fuck's sake. like it's um uh and uh yeah rachel says it the most but yeah i'm a little bit like i'm shook <laughs> i guess you know what though just going back to the music video part they'd mm. have been better using the 50s thing than the actual you're my number one music video i had it playing in the background there <laughs> The the song itself is quite old, like retro sounding as well, which yeah. is the funny thing. Like I don't understand why they didn't take advantage and actually, like you know, really do something really good. Yeah, um, instead they just have them in a white room doing a choreographed dance, and then they yeah. have like a foam party, which is very nineties again. It is, yeah. Um, so uh, our heroes or some of our heroes and are in prison. Do you want to talk us through your favorite part of the whole film? Oh. My favorite part of the whole it's genuinely a real heartbreaker. It's she tried so hard. <laughs> so they all they all sit and they gaze out the window and they talk about the things they miss. What's it? Joe misses Does Joe miss anything? Joe has no feelings. Brad misses <laughs> Um One of the girls misses her bed. One Bro of them misses Bradley misses the girl he just met in the bowling The girl he just like, met, yeah, you know, the five-minute girl. He's known her for like 30 seconds and misses her already. And, and then Joel <laughs> gazes longingly out the window and a single tear drops in her face. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like, we were messaging each other about this. It's genuinely the funniest part of the whole film. Like, non-ironically, like, it, well, kind of ironically, I guess. <laughs> like, it is literally the funniest part of the whole film. Um, and they're not even trying to be funny. It's meant to be emotional, but it's... yeah. But like, they're, they're like, like she's so upset over being locked in a, like that. You know, it's like black and well, not black and white. It's really dark, and they're acting mm. about how cold they are. It's like, chill out. <laughs> you're there yeah. overnight. You're in America as well. Like you're used to the British weather. Like shut up with this. Like I'm so cold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
and there's little scenes of them all sat apart like initially they're all sat on the bed next to each other when they're like oh i miss x i miss y but then there's like little scenes of like rachel's sat by herself in the corner and as you say shivering like, looking out the window and it's just like why would you all it's just like it's it's so fucking over the top and like it's so funny they're acting like the worst thing ever has happened and then the next day it's immediately like, rectified so there's no need for them to do the dramatic sad bit because there's no dramatic sad anywhere because they're immediately released yeah like john tina and hannah is it i think are all protesting yeah. outside and for some reason they're just all released no reason given they're just let out well, i don't think they really did i think they were just like in there for a minor thing and you just get locked away for a day to tell you off that's why it happens in movies right and i guess so <laughs> in, in tv that's what happens that you you get locked away in like a big dramatic like jail cell where like the guards can see you like i don't think that's in the uk anyway you're locked behind like a sealed door people mm. don't just stare at you through bars yeah no you don't actually have like bars like that you're in a concrete room no. it's um, such an american thing that so they're released and told that they have only until sunset to leave which ooh. so they go back to the diner to meet their waiter that um hannah likes and they also meet his dad and there it's revealed that there's a bit of a feud between him and the dad of the bully ricky who's called dicky which hilarious rhyming and Ricky, yeah. Ricky and Dickie have attempted to put this diner out of business for ages, um, and that includes going in and just smashing things up. Uh, uh, like they have a they have a, a jukebox night coming up, uh, and S Club Seven, of course, are, are the eternal do-gooders, the eternal good boys and girls. So they save the night by performing or lip-syncing, rather, uh, to to the least fifties song in their repertoire at this point. Like, yeah, why didn't they play You're My Number One there? So yeah, they, they managed to save the night with their least 50s song. Um, I, the funny thing about that is like the song itself is complete with like record scratching and like all sorts of... It's the most 90s song I've ever heard. Yeah. And the 50s people love it. And I'm um, like, um, what? It's uh, like, I suppose the one saving grace it has is that like uh, Bradley's the lead singer for it. So there's less Joe for a bit. Yeah, every, okay, that's the thing. We're just going to go out of this for a second. Every S Club 7 song, for some reason, Joe gets most of the parts. And it's like... I, on- I honestly think back in the day, she was probably the strongest voice, like with Bradley second. But like, uh, to be fair, I think Brian, her and Bradley actually, I retract that. They were on even, even, yeah. even level. I think all the others honestly were perfectly passable, but they're not great vocalists. Um, no. And again, controversial maybe. I think Rachel Stevens got by on her looks more than her. Oh, definitely, hundred percent, hundred percent. She was the hot one, so she's gonna get yeah. a solo career. To be fair, like she is really fucking pretty. Like, oh, she is. She like you can't fault her on that. Like, <laughs> no. even come like even for the children in need performance, she doesn't. She didn't fucking age for that. Like she, no. she was the sole one that basically looked exactly the same. No, I think Tina looked pretty good. I thought Tina did look good, good as well. But like, um, anyway, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Brad Bradley uh, supremacy is what yeah. we believe in here. Yeah. Like he um, has. Uh, he he didn't get as much time to shine as he should have for this yeah. at least um, and uh, at that point Hannah and Chuck are forced to say an emotional goodbye as they leave <laughs> did you just say an emotional goodbye that's so funny. that's that's what Wikipedia describes it or are as. you reading <laughs> just, that's just just to keep me on track um, apparently the sheriff narrowly avoids seeing them although I don't remember that from the actual film but I, I shall take that as written yeah. um, so they drive for the night only to arrive back in 
the town to find a bunch of things boarded up. And Apparently the town's called Townville and I just want to say that every 90s cartoon named their place Townsville. Yeah. Or is that just maybe Powerpuff Girls? And I'm I, just... I know that for Powerpuff Girls, but I know that for a few other things as well, although I can't place them again. Like, I'm, I'm sure that's a really common Americanism. Like, not as in, in real life, but just for this kind of media. So I think yeah. it could be them ripping that off, honestly. Because we don't or just use them being lazy. We don't use Ville as like an ending. Like there, there's certain words that like uh, Americans use for a lot of places, like places ending in Ville and and, and Dale. We don't really use Dale. Yeah, um, or like Boulevard or whatever yeah. as well, and like which we don't use either. But like so, it, I think it just kind of falls into that category. And obviously, Townville that can be that's anywhere USA. So although clearly they're in the desert, so yeah, it's like you could just went for yes somewhere between Miami and where we were going. Exactly. Yeah, they're off to LA apparently because they've got big dreams. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so they drop apparent but apparently they've what what has been a one night's drive just to take them back to exactly where they were. For whatever reason they've moved one month into the future. Now, I have watched this twice and I don't think this is clear at any point as to what's caused that to happen. No. Like it no. just happens. There's <laughs> I don't think the writers even know why that happened. Like, it just did. Yeah, it's just it's just an event that happens and no explanations given for it and actually like no one even tries to find out and it's never explained. So <laughs> No, the S Club Seven don't care about their time travel in the most part. Like they just don't like they just assume they could just drive and somehow like go back and like go forward in time again. Like I like the idea as well though that like even if that is exactly what happened they still did a loop on themselves so apparently yeah. apparently rachel was driving the whole time so even if they managed to go back in time they still basically had her driving in a big loop to end up coming back to the same place yeah it doesn't make so <laughs> she's still a fucking shit directional you know driver or whatever she, yeah, she can't navigate yeah That's but I, it doesn't they don't they don't she explain can't, she can't direction so good <laughs> <laughs> And she can't time time so good either. It's she like, can't time I'm... so good either. Yeah, exactly. The um, car decides that they need to go forward a month. I get the car seems to be like the DeLorean, but like with a conscience, it chooses when they go. Yeah, like it is. It's really odd. Um, apparently, though, during this time, the the um, diner has been shut down because the rockets, the band of bullies, they've been causing issues again. And so the, the diner has been sold to Dickie, Ricky's dad. Um, so they end up going to find Ricky a garage for the next day, uh, a garage to prefer, to propose a race for the next day. And Joe pulls her in her tough girl and fixes the car for them because Joe. <laughs> and yeah, like they do a weird kind of like, have we got to the confrontation part yet where you kind of flicks her stomach thing? Go for, yeah, you you go for it. No, no, it's okay. Like they, they well, have a kind of fight. It's they have a fight, but like f- part of the part of the deal is he's like, um, so if we win, you're gonna fuck off essentially, and if if you win, then you get our car. And he's like, oh, and I want a date with her now, and he flicks her stomach a bit, and it's kind of like why? It's like you know, in in when you're younger and like the like the six-year-old boys teasing the girls and just like clicking their ears or poking their hair or whatever and it's just kind of like cheesy stuff but it's like you're all grown fucking adults why yeah. are you like behaving like six-year-olds? and why do you want but like why does he even want to date her because she's been really combative and like she's been really she really unpleasant up to this point yeah like, like he at one point she runs at him to do something or fight him mm. and he just kind of shoves grabs her by the hair and shoves her back and she doesn't like react to that she just kind of looks mildly annoyed 
Yeah, can I also say as well, one of his pals is like has this really annoying high-pitched voice and he's he's doing his best like Grease impression, like one of the characters from that, and I'm not gonna try and imitate it. Like oh, please do it. No. Like it's just it's just really, really irritating. There is this laugh he does. Oh I, I can't really imitate that either. It's kinda like <laughs> <laughs> like it's just like really unnecessary and like over the top but it's it's bad acting but done badly so as as s club i think are trying their best to, like they're not trying to be shit i think they're actually trying like mm-hmm. he's just bad for the sake of being bad it's just like all right here's the bad guy he's to be fair though if you'd read the script i'd be like right yeah this, like, isn't, this isn't getting me anywhere this isn't a bafta award-winning production like like by any stretch of anyone's imagination no one thought that going in but it's still like you know there's you i mean i can't speak after having confessed to my bad acting a few episodes back but like you would think all right i'm gonna give this my best go rather than right i'm just gonna make this the shittest like performance i can possibly give um and it's i find it really irritating plus the fragrant use of the word daddio like i never want to hear that word again no me neither they say daddio a lot they keep trying to use like what they think 50 slang is yeah um just throwing it in there randomly and it's no um, it's cringy as fuck it it actually hurts my soul to hear especially when s club use it yeah that's what i'm saying yeah especially like it's it's bad enough hearing like the the rockets using it but especially when john's like come on daddy-o like it's just (laughs) (laughs) really fucking awful (laughs) please stop stop yeah but no they don't yeah but for for reasons we're not sure of uh joe well i say joe the others agree to this like date thing and the loss of their car like what have they lost Mm. (laughs) like they're toast their time we travel car is gone and they've given it to biff yeah to biff <laughs> yeah well no fair true exactly um and i like as well that bearing in mind these are all people they've literally in in the context of the thing it's been a month but like realistically these are all people they've known for like two minutes and chuck <laughs> comes to hannah oh i really wish i'd i'd like helped the group out a bit more like why you don't fucking know them like you served yeah. them burgers once like why <laughs> why do you feel this emotional connection towards them but they uh, played at my my diner once. Oh well. Oh, okay. It's like I'm not gonna like immediately fall in love with people who do me a small favor. I'm like, come on, have higher standards. So adding to the elements of the plot that make literally less than zero sense, uh, they go through Rachel's bag and find a newspaper oh, for fuck's dated sake, dated the next day with an article which uh, highlights Chuck's death from the race that they're just about to participate in. This makes no sense because one where did it come from and two okay they have gone back in time at this point but they didn't have newspapers in their car to begin with and even if they did they wouldn't randomly have a newspaper from the 50s in their car in the 90s to to come back with them so where did it come from and why should i care more to the point actually let's just let's not chase it up i'm not wasting any time no but again that's just kind of that's just kind of ripped from Back to the Future when Mario McFly has his drag race thing. Mm-hmm. You know, again, it's just it's like, why rip that part? Like, why does... Because it's not consequential to the plot. Like, Chuck doesn't drive anymore and, okay, they take him out of the car. Like, did Marty, what's the point? Did Marty McFly's drag race move at a speed of about 20 miles per hour? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but to be fair, he actually drove. Chuck yeah. didn't even drive. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Hannah stops Chuck from driving 
Uh, and she's just like, oh, we're sent from the future to, to help, like, avoid your death. And, like, you, you, you'll go on to do good things. And, and of course, they kiss because love. Yeah, and but again, that all takes two minutes. They could have just taken that out and done something else. We can't sacrifice Chuck, but you know what's fine? We'll sacrifice one of the band members. Rachel, you're driving. Get in. Like, yeah, but then they also put two others in. Like, let's sacrifice half our band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I like the idea that like he died in a car crash going like fucking minimal speed. Like, what did he yeah. die of? Like, just lack of excitement. Boredom. Just, yeah. <laughs> Boredom. <laughs> so the the race is apparently really really close, and um, Ricky looks it's like the he's slowest going... race ever. Though, like you have to watch it. You don't understand. It's, it's really... and they, but he, despite this, he still manages to fucking make Rachel drive off the road and into a mud pit. And then Rachel does a ditzy, oh, I can use this mud to put on my face because I'm a girl. (laughs) (laughs) And um, she does. So they drive off again. And to be fair, they would actually get knocked out because what happens is they drive out the mud pit and miss half the track. Yeah, they cheat. It's just a a loop they're doing. It's not even a figure of eight. It's just a loop that they're doing. A small loop Mm -hmm. of that, by the way. So they cut out half the loop by cheating, by driving forward out of this mud pit. Yeah. Um, but uh, apparently then the rocket's engine fails, uh, which I have to assume is probably in part due to, to Joe having worked on it previously, which I uh, I don't know. Like, that would be my guess. Like, there's probably mm. something going on there. I don't, it's not or, the, or the magic car decides to yeah, like it's destroy not, their car. It's not stated explicitly, but like I suppose that probably was meant to be a plot point or whatever. I don't know. It Even, doesn't actually say that in the wiki, though. They don't does, say, oh, she it, sabotaged the car. Like, it doesn't, but like I, I feel like that would be why that would be in there, except the film doesn't stick to that either so who knows I just don't think they I just think it randomly fails I think they haven't even thought of it it's just really really lucky because otherwise you're going to lose and lose the car I I like to think it just adds to the bad writing and planning but um, so Hank uh, S Club 7 obviously win the race because happy endings and Hank and Dickie reconcile their differences um, and the Rockets are suddenly sad at not being cool, which you weren't cool <laughs> to begin with, so I wouldn't fucking worry about that, boys. Like, but okay. And uh, S Club 7 decided to convince them to stay in town because we could all party. And it's one of those fucking, like, lame-ass endings where, like, okay, these guys have been shitty to us, but let's all have a dance. Yay! And then But they're dances. really enthusiastic to be in the dance as well. I'm like, no, yeah. no. What? But yeah, but yeah. it doesn't make any sense. The eternal do-gooders. I'm not like I'm not here for that. But they're not. They came in fighting. Like people weren't even angry at them when they came in fighting. So, <laughs> Wikipedia says after holding an impromptu party for the townspeople, no, 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 no. After forming, the, after filming their music video for their most recent single, S Club Seven say goodbye. And there's a kiss between Hannah and Chuck because true love. And then they drive back through the wormhole to 1999, despite the fact they didn't know it was there. It's just lucky that they head that way, I guess. Uh, And now they see that Ricky's middle-aged and a mechanic and Chuck's the town governor and the diner has been renamed to the famous S Club 7 diner. And that's the end of the film. And I want to shoot myself. Yeah, like the time (laughs) travel part. They could have just ended up at any any small town and the exact same plot would have happened it's 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 a mess honestly yeah um, it's fine like so like taking a step back again it's one it's made for kids two it's part of a tv series which was equally silly and and kind of you know non-relevant three it's a bridge between seasons so it's literally just filler four it's basically advertisement for their album so all and you know five 
no one went into this thinking this was going to be a work of art to begin with. With all those excuses, what we can fairly say is it's still shite. It is still shite. Um, it's pretty much what I remembered it being. Although, as I say, like now that I'm older, I, I honestly, I felt they performed better back at the time. I, I didn't realize they couldn't act as well as they did. <laughs> They're just very poor actors overall. Um, and it doesn't inspire me to go and see any of the other things because yeah. they. The problem is they were hired with the knowledge that they are going to have to do this series. Like, yeah. So it's not even like it's like oh they've been thrown in. They're meant to be singers, or whatever, and they've been thrown into an acting job. It's like no, they mm. were manufactured to do this. It, it is very much in the same vein of the Spice Girls, though. Like they're all personalities. Like Rachel's the pretty one, Joe's the tough one, Hannah's the, I guess, ditzy one. Like. I know, but Spice Girls was done by a newspaper. Like, they weren't made to do that. No, it kind of worked out that way in the end, but, like, it's... And But then they're like, oh, that kind of worked. Let's, yeah, like, deliberately set out to do this with this. It's that formula that they're essentially following, and obviously it's the same guy that managed the both of them, so it's it's that kind of... It's not entirely dissimilar from Lou Perlman's, as we talked about last week, creating the Backstreet Boys and then like NSYNC as well. Like he's got the formula there. He's just kind of replicating what he's already done. But I wouldn't even say they have the distinct personality thing because like, okay, other than some being a bit dumber than others, like, and Rachel's prettier than the others, there's not really like, oh, this person does this. There's no sporty, scary, whatever. It's just Joe's an arsehole and the rest are dumb. Yeah, pretty much. Um... And I don't know if that evolved much throughout the series. Like honestly, like I, to be honest, I don't have any interest in finding out. No. <laughs> so, so would you would you uh, recommend this? Uh, it's one of those things. Like I think if you liked S Club Seven back at the time, then possibly just as a as a nostalgia trip because it is only forty minutes long. Like it's not a long, and you can readily find it. Like we where we watched it. We actually made things more difficult for ourselves. It is actually available on YouTube as well. Oh, really? So, uh, some, some kind soul uploaded it to YouTube in several parts. So you can actually find it just by searching back to the 50s there. Weirdly, the one we watched has a bit where it time jumps. And I was like, oh, maybe it's part of the plot. <laughs> like, and it's not. It's just It's not. It's just that the, just the, the upload wasn't good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I would recommend if you must watch it, YouTube over that. But um, yeah, uh, if, if you don't like S Club 7, there's nothing for you here. If you... Do like S Club 7, watch it, keeping in mind what it was made for and when it was made. And if you did like S Club 7 back at the time, you'll maybe get more from it as a nostalgia trip. So it really depends how you're approaching this. Uh, how about you? Nah, just <laughs> no, no, um, no. Just go watch their music videos, have a giggle with that instead. I would watch it for the prison scene. Yeah, okay, yeah, maybe want, okay, to laugh, like, if yeah. you're wanting to have, like, a bad kind of, if you're wanting to watch something bad, because sometimes you do, go uh, watch it. It's on, if you're looking for it on YouTube, it's it's very near the start of part three, from what I remember, because that's how I watched it this morning, so part three on YouTube, it's there. Yeah. Give, give I wouldn't hunt it down. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd hunt that part down, hunt down the prison scene, yeah. but I wouldn't hunt down the entire thing again, and no. I, if, if you're made to pay for it, I certainly wouldn't pay for it. Shall we jump into their children in need performance? Yeah, then? so years they split up because Paul left and other things happened, and then they did S Club Three with Paul, Bradley, and Joe, and then Tina joined S Club Three, and it was still called S Club Three, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. But in 2014, they did a uh, reunion on 
children in need and we were in uni at the time and i remember me and ellen being very excited just for reference for anyone outside of the uk children in need is this yearly fundraising extravaganza where a whole bunch of money goes towards children's causes all over the uk and so you'll get a bunch of big name singers and celebrities coming on just to encourage people to donate and this was hyped for weeks in advance oh yeah children in need's like, like a big thing in general like every november it happens it's yeah. huge but the idea that, you know, S Club 7, we're getting back together. This was like built up as this really, really big must watch, must watch television moment. And to be honest, like I remember at the time, like I wasn't like that invested, but like I remember this being a big deal as well. And I was kind of looking forward to to watching. Like I wasn't like, you know, whispering about this with my friends in anticipation or anything, but just by myself, I was like, you know what? I'm kind of curious to see how this turns out. And so I did. And well. Oh, God. Um, Joe did not age well. She's like someone. She's like their mum swandered on stage, like a Karen. She looks like a Karen, and she looks like she's a Karen at a karaoke bar. Yeah. So you kind of know something's off right from the start, essentially, because there's a lot of there's seven so, of them on stage, and they all have microphones, but they're instantly relying on the backtrack for the yeah. So they the they start song. off the first right. So if you listen to it, um, you will link this. So you can you can hear them sing at the beginning. And immediately the producers must be like, uh-uh. And then yeah. they switch to lip sync. Yeah. Because you can hear the first notes and they don't sound in sync at no. all. No. I'm actually playing it as we, as we thingy. Um, Joe is out of breath very, very early on as well. She does not look good, man. Like, no. But it's her personality show, it's shining through. See, if you're a good person, you usually age better than like fucking awful people. Um, I think, to be fair, I think the choice of songs they used for it was quite reasonable. Like they used a lot of their upbeat ones, and it was all of the all of it was stuff that people would know from the early days as well. It was a guy called Simon Ellis on YouTube who mixed it mm. for them, so they didn't actually choose it. They just showed up. And Paul, <laughs> not Paul, yeah, it's Paul. Poor Paul. Like Tina's looking good. Hannah's looking quite good, Rachel's looking good, Bradley's looking good, John's looking good, Joe and Paul, man. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a there's a bit where they're going through one of their songs where they kind of make reference to each of the members and Paul just dad dances, dad dances like a fucking, oh, it's grim. Like, like Paul's getting down on the floor. And, no, he's not though. Like, <laughs> he's really, getting down on the floor, he's not getting back up really, again. <laughs> yeah, like it's really cringy. He might get down, but he won't get back up. Like it's... It's awful, but it's just like your dad dancing at a wedding, you know. Yeah. Um, Which is fine at a wedding, but like, like not when you're like... Some of them did that really, really good, because some of them really went for it, and like John just did a head flick, which I was like, right, good move there, you're not making an yeah. answer yourself. And like, Rachel's just there being pretty, good move. Joe does this thing where she messes up her hair, and she's just like, yeah, I still got yeah. it. But she's wearing, she's wearing like a leather jacket and leather trousers. Yeah. It's just, and then she's like, sing it, because she can't sing it. <laughs> I love that, like, she's just instant first line win the world and really, really shaky, and then she's like, sing it. Yeah. But then Bradley but, comes in singing, sounding like, he sounds like an angel. so good. Like, ridic- like honestly, that was such that was the biggest shock of the whole thing mm-hmm. for me. Not how much Paul had aged, not how terrible Joe was doing, but just how good Bradley sounded. Like still, because yeah. this. Because you can tell he's mind- actually. You can tell when they're singing when they aren't. Yeah, like bearing in mind though that they've not been on a stage together for like the better part of like just over a decade. Well, I mean, then, to be like, fair, Bradley, Joe, and Thingy have been. Still yeah, but to the this whole point. all seven of them. Like, yeah. Like he was carrying the whole like second half of that. Like when oh, he was, he was carrying the entire thing. Like because yeah. it's funny because they have 
What they do is they reduce everyone else's microphones but Bradley's and mm. put the lip sync tra- uh, track on. Mm. So you can, at points, you can hear Bradley actually singing and mm. the rest are just lip syncing. And yeah. it's really strange because, like, well, I get that he's really talented, right? But it's like you're making it really apparent that the others aren't singing. Yeah. Because like, you can actually hear him singing throughout. Most of them didn't. Like, I think Paul, John, Hannah, and Tina, I don't think any of them actually sang. No, none of them uttered a word. Like, Rachel got one line during yeah. uh, towards the end and she was fine like she actually she was very passable like she sounded actually reasonable. Rachel sounded a lot better than Joe did but like, she wasn't like anything amazing but she wasn't I would awful. argue the bit that she was singing wasn't particularly difficult so no. like you know she did a good job but like you know it wasn't a high bar to reach for so you know fine no. Joe had quite a lot of back in the day there was quite a lot of versatility to her voice and it's just not there anymore um, no because she's not looked after it that's the thing like, yeah. you can you can do like I know there's like a thing for like voices aging, but see if you look after it when you're using it, you can mm. you can go far. Like people sound good in their seventies, even some women. I did. It's it's the sort of thing as well. Like I remember there's this um there's there's um this um vocal coach YouTuber I watch who she reacts to like pe- famous people singing and stuff, mm-hmm. and she often says that if you start a song off key, it's it's not just a case of getting back on track, it's actually really difficult to find your, your way back onto the right key once yeah. you've started on But to be fair, they sound like five songs and she sung them all off key. She did, yeah, like all of them were, were abysmal, so yeah. it wasn't good on any front, really. No, it's but... like, it's really it's really sad this year, actually, because she's like, again, Karen haircut, she looks like the woman who had, like, six kids, like Johnny yeah. Kate, eight, sorry, obviously. <laughs> Johnny <eight>. Kate plus eight. <laughs> yeah, she looks that like her, wearing a leather jumpsuit, and her, her, her tits are just like there. Yeah. And everyone else is kind of dressing appropriately for their age or their I, style. I really liked what Tina was wearing. Yeah, I she, looked, she looked really funky. It, it looks youthful, but not too youthful. Yeah, like it, it's it's like a, a fun kind of throwback. Like I can get yeah. away with this. It's not even I can get away with it because she does like look good. She looks good. Like, it's a performance outfit, obviously. Like, yeah, but the, like the, that, everyone but Joe looks okay. Yeah. Apart from, again, Paul looks a bit like a dad's wonder on stage. Yeah, a bit unfortunate, but hey-ho. So shortly after this, they did end up going on tour. <laughs> did you go? I sure fucking no. didn't. No, <laughs> I mean, I would have went to a Bradley solo tour, maybe, because, like, he, again, he's carrying them all. Yeah. Like, there's no point in the others being there. It's just Joe sounding awful. Joe actually makes you cringe when she opens her mouth, because she just sounds so bad. Yeah, I think... That's what happens <clears> if you're, when you're a racist twat for your life. It's a little bit unfortunate, um, and I think it's probably why, I mean, you do get this still with, like, the Pussycat Dolls, for example, when you have one person who carries the rest of the group, and if that mm-hmm. person has, like, a shit vocal day or themselves is no longer vocally capable, then the whole group fucking suffers for it. Yeah. And I, I think that's an argument against having one person or two people be your reliable front and yeah. centers. Well they, well, they still do S Club 3, but now it's S Club 2. It's just Tina and Brad, because Joe left it recently. Well, good. <laughs> it's, it's called um a duo and it's now called s club live to be fair like they they would actually probably still make a decent living doing that yeah like, because he used to play at butlins and so when it was s club three it was um to start with it was paul again what why yeah. leave come back joe and bradley mm. um they did butlins and nightclubs and stuff like that and then tina joined mm. and paul left after the reunion after the children in need thing and then Joe left in 2020. Yeah, I he did get quite a lot of um, he did get quite a lot of um, pushback for that. To be fair, there was quite mm. a lot of harsh criticism, which wasn't um, wasn't un un um, well, no, just, Like if you're gonna split it up, you can't then return to the spin-off project. Mm. 
because he did start like when one le- one person leaves a band like that, it's doomed. Like same with One Direction, like you saw it, people are like oh they'll keep going. It's like nah, yeah. Like they're on limited time now because one starts leaving, the other start going. Oh maybe I could you know do this thing. Like Little Mix, like their yeah. their days are numbered. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is a shame. I kind of do like some of their their songs to be honest. <laughs> Bummer. But you know their days are numbered because there's they're they're now having kids and it's like mm. yeah. You know, and one's left. You you can survive children, but you can you can't survive one of them leaving. No, not when you're like a not a band. You're like a vocal group. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Is there anything else you think is worth adding here, or are we done? No, I think yeah, just uh, it's a shame. It's a shame. But if you're interested, you can find this uh, performance on YouTube very easily. Just oh uh, yeah, super S- easy. S Club Seven Children in Need. You'll find it. It's there. Go have a good giggle and. Uh, yeah, even if you're not familiar with them and their songs, it's worth looking at because it's a really interesting case study in how not to stage a comeback. <laughs> yeah, it's just it just if you don't again if you don't look after your voice when you're young, that's yeah. what happens. So, um, fun fun little fact: if you've made it this far into the podcast, our podcast is actually longer than the film itself. Oh, we knew so, this would happen. Like, <laughs> that's just putting that out there. But yes, next week. Uh, come back where we'll be going uh, possibly along a similar line of um, artistic quality uh, when we'll be looking at Spice World so that could be good fun or or not I think it'll be a lot I think it'll be a lot better than than this I'm not sure why (laughs) I think it'll be really really fun to talk about so I'm looking forward to talking about it afterwards anyway so hopefully um, come back and join us for that uh, usual usual nonsense if you're not yet following us on instagram find us at one of us is bored subscribe to the youtube channel and just come back again next time because we like it when you listen so uh, give us your attention <laughs> see you then 